Amen. Amen. Praise God. So um, it's been a minute. It's been a minute. So I have been celebrating our, uh, as, as Elder Henry said, our summer of renewal. I don't know if you've gotten anything out of it, but for me personally and receiving and all the different, whether it's in the waiting, whether it's even in the worrying or whether it's in the, in the cross or whether it's in our timing, um, whether it's in our chewing or whether it's in, in, in every area we've been celebrating this. And it's right. Henry is right that we are transitioning out of summer. And I know for some of you, like if you're not homeschooled, because we did all that. So we homeschooled, we private schooled, we public schooled, and we private schooled. And if you need to know any of those, just come talk to me. And, and I can tell you the benefits and the drawbacks and the successes. So I know some people, when you homeschool, you get to start up. And I, I'll just share one quick story of my son because... When he, when he, we homeschooled up till fourth grade. And so when he goes to fourth grade and he, he gets, shows up here at Heritage Christian Academy and wonderful school, he graduated from here, but he shows up and he comes home and he says, dad, I was like, what son? He goes, do I got to keep going? And I said, what do you mean? He goes, this, it wasn't that he didn't like school or like his friends. He goes, I've got homework to do. He said, I've been in school all day and now I got homework. See, when he was homeschooled, it'd be like, oh, from nine to 12 and then he's free. And it's like, do I got to keep doing this? And we like, yes, son, it's a good learning process. And so, but he got through it and uh, did very well. And I'm, I'm celebrating that today and having him here on staff and, and continuing to do a great job and loving God and loving people. This morning we're transitioning because we have been receiving. We have been, God's been pouring in. He's been challenging us. Y'all, a couple, few weeks ago, I had a man on stage who, Michael Thompson, who I love dearly, who said, I got a word for you and I want to give it to you publicly. <laughs> How many of you know when people want to give you a word publicly, you got to go, mm, you can't do that private first. <laughs> you can't give me a peek, a, kind of a preview. And the only th reason I didn't is because I trust Michael Thompson hears from the Lord and I know his character, I know his heart, I know his journey, I know how God has used him. And he told me to dream bigger dream. I got a big, I was like, bigger? Like bigger? What he was saying to my mind's going, pow, 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 pow. like right now, sitting here before he even said anything, my dream is anywhere from 15 to 20 million on this campus of what I believe God wants to do and how he wants to do stuff. And I'm like, that's just for this part, not talking about in my own personal life. And others, I'm like, bigger? And I'm like, God, forgive me. I repent because my vision or, 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 or my dream is going to be this young man's vision that's going to be realized and far transcend my own understanding and my ability, far outlive me. And I celebrate that. And I want to encourage you, you need to dream bigger too, just because it was to me. I'm going to spread that on to you. But as we've been receiving and enjoying, we're, we're going to transition a little bit because there is... When we receive, to whom is given, to whom much is given, much is required. And so I want us to think this morning, we're going to go in a, in a, in a, on a new series, and it's called Go and Tell. And what that is, it, it literally is, we're looking at the Great Commission. 
We're gonna unpack that for a little bit and we're gonna do that over the next few weeks. Y'all, we are coming up on the celebration of 50 years of completion of being a part of the Capital C Church. 50 years right here, right here on this, not on this campus, started in a bank building, then moved to the rec building and then moved over here. But we're coming up on that. And as we do, I celebrate so much because I've only been a part of 36 of it. I got saved in this church. That's my testimony, my story. And so I celebrate that. I've only got 36. I've missed the first 14. Am I a little upset? Because I was out doing my own thing. And, and yeah, I'm the one that y'all were here for. I was, I'm thankful for those who were here those 14 years before because you were preparing a place for me to connect with God. And in so doing, help to keep doing that and, and, and perpetuating that forward. And so I celebrate those. But I also, we celebrate 50 years but how many know there's a lot more to be done? Like the next, I wanna look the next 50. I'm like, Jesus, what all can come through this? And I want you to go on that journey with me and be a part. And so when we look at the Great Commission, it's mentioned in all four gospels. And for time's sake, like last week, one of my elders, Elder Eads, it did a tremendous job at uh, telling us what we were meant to for. And for those of you who weren't here, he did a great job of that. And then he gave you a York peppermint patty on the way out, what you were meant for. And uh, we were meant to do more and be more. And, uh, and I, he and I both, we're, we're big on scripture. Like, I want you to know the word. And I want, the word is what transforms us. And I mean, he was reading. And I went, dude, take a breath. And then I looked at the clock this morning when it was handed to me at 1130. And I was like, buddy, 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 buddy. <laughs> and, I said, buddy, buddy, buddy. and I said, whoa, whoa, take a breath. <laughs> and so I want to I unpack a little bit for us this thing of the Great Commission, this go and tell God has commissioned us. We have a mission that we're on. And if we're not careful, we get so wrapped up in our own mission and our own wants, our own desires, that we forget that we're here for a purpose, on purpose and for a purpose. And in Matthew 28, Jesus said this. This is on his way out. So these are some of the last public words that Jesus vocalized while he was looking at you and looking at me, looking at his disciples. And he says this, then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, since I have all this authority, since it's been given to me, therefore you go, you go and make disciples of all nations, not just where I'm at, all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I commanded you and surely, and surely I will be with you. I will be with you sometimes. I'm gonna be with you always, even to the very end of the age. 
And so when we look at this thing of, hey, he's going to be with us first. He's got a, a mission for us. And, and I'm not going to go through every one of them. I've got them all printed. I've got them all ready. But for your sake and time, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share them like Mark 16, 15 through 19. Just the first one, verse 15 says, he said to them in Mark 16, 15, he said to them, Go. Go, <laughs> like go, and two-thirds of God's name is go, <laughs> if you want to look at it like that. <laughs> two-thirds of it is go, and so he said, go and where? Into all the world, and what? Preach the gospel to all creatures, everybody, and so he wants us to do that. And, and by the way, when he said that, he wasn't just talking about pastors, because I have people all the time say, hey, hey, preacher, hey, preacher, our sheriff's notorious for it. I love it, because he's got that southern draw, and he says, hi, preacher, hi, preacher. And I was like, Neil, uh, <clears throat> you're the preacher, I'm the pastor. <laughs> if I'm doing my job right, you're going to go preach to some people around you, because I know there's some people down there where you hang out that needs Jesus. And so... Um, that we are all called to, to participate in this go into all the world and preach the gospel. And then in Luke, real quick, just one, uh, Dr. Luke says, this is what I told you while I was still with you, verse 44. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms. And then it says, then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. He told them this was written, the Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day and repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning in Jerusalem. And he goes on to say, you are my witnesses of these things. He's called us to do that. And then John the beloved, I love it because John only uses three verses to tell all this. And he says this in John 20, 21 to 23. And Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. Like I'm, I'm sending you. So I don't know if you know it or not, that's not talking to me, that's talking to us, that we're all sent, we're all gonna do that into all the world. And then looking at Acts again in Acts 1, I'm gonna skip down. And, uh, and he said in Acts 1, uh, verse 6, he said, excuse me, verse 7, he said to them, it is not for you to know times and seasons, uh, times or dates the Father has set his own authority, but you will receive power. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you or comes in you, and you will be my witnesses, where at? In Jerusalem. In Judea and Samaria to the inner, the utter ends of the earth. So Jesus wanted us to grasp this, this fact, this, this truth that he wants all of us to be involved with what uh, was spoken of earlier, the, the harvest. Getting involved in people's lives. And let me just say to you, when you get involved in people's lives, it gets messy. Like just think about your own family. 
Like think about your own family, how it can get messy, even in your own family. Like there's some you love and there's some you like to love from afar. <laughs> like you're thankful there's a Christmas and there's an Easter and there's a Thanksgiving where y'all get together and like, man, that's three times a year I got to be. <laughs> you can love them and pray for them. But it gets messy when we do that. And Jesus knew that, but he didn't say that was a, an excuse that we don't, that I don't want you to be involved. He said, I want you to be actively involved. And so there's three simple things that I want us to look at this morning. When we think about the, the great commission or go and tell, and these three things are simple. This, he wants us to reach. That's what he wants us to do. He wants us to reach. He wants us to teach or preach. However you want to say it. I love what Jensen Franklin said one time. The difference between a teacher and a preacher is a teacher tells it and a preacher yells it. <laughs> so I can yell it if you want. Say, hey, he wants us to. <laughs> you go, whoa, easy. Back off. <laughs> They'll look excited there. But he, we're, so we're to reach, we're to teach and preach. And, uh, and then the third one, we're to pray. Because that's what makes prayers, what makes the difference. God moves on our prayers, he knows what we need, but he wants to hear us as we ask. And so as we look at, at reaching, we're going to look at these real quickly. Reach is this, what Jesus wants us to do. He said, Jerusalem, Judea, all I want us to think is reaching beyond our own driveway. <laughs> Let's make it simple. Reach beyond our own driveway. If I were to go around and say, hey, what's your neighbor's name? Would you be able to tell me who the person is that lives right next door to you? Would you be able to tell me what they were like? Could you tell me anything about them whatsoever? And some of you go, no, and I like it that way. <laughs> because those neighbors are nuts. <laughs> I don't want to bust your bubble, but they might be thinking the same thing about you. <laughs> they might be going, hold it, man, those neighbors over there, they're nuts. <laughs> And until you go and meet them, maybe you're confirming that with the way you treat them. But Jesus said, I want you to go get involved. I want you to look at going and starting right here where we are. Now, I know in my life, I, I feel like one of the giftings I have is evangelism. It always has. I, there's not anybody I will not talk to. I don't care how big. I don't care how tattooed they are. I don't care what their condition they are. I'm like, hey, friend, how you doing? Good to talk to you. It's funny because my wife tells me this. I've got this, this sign that sticks right over my head and it says, pick me. <laughs> pick me. And I'm like, pick me. Come on. We are going to go on a journey. It's going to be a little messy. But guess what? God's good. He likes messy. As a matter of fact, I want to, I want to, when we look at this thing of reaching, I want to show, I want to look at just one story from the Bible real quickly. We're going to go through it. Many of you are familiar with it, but it's the most powerful and the longest narrative of Jesus just talking to one person. So when we read scripture, like I can go to Matthew 5, 6, 7, and into 8, where he's talking to a multitude of people, or I could go to, to John 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, where Jesus is at the Last Supper and he's having this long dialogue with his disciples. But in John chapter 4, it is the longest recorded interaction with one person, and all we know her as is as the woman at the well, the woman. 
Like she doesn't even get her name in the book. It's the woman at the well. And it starts in verse four and we'll see where Jesus demonstrated what he was telling his disciples. So he wasn't telling us to do something he hadn't already done. And in, Gen, I mean, in, in John four, uh, verse one, we're gonna read a little bit and see how this plays out. It says, now Jesus learned that the Pharisees, I'm gonna flip over here because I've got that written, but I also wanna lean into this right here. And he goes, so Jesus, if you got your Bibles, that's always good to have with you. I know we put it on here and we, I, I firmly believe we've made people lazy so they don't have to bring their Bibles to church personally. But, but for this, this is just for y'all online. Everybody here has their Bible. You can hear the pages turning, trying to find it. Okay, good. Glad y'all got that. It really wasn't that way, y'all. But anyhow, verse one, the Pharisees heard that Jesus was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John. What? What does that matter? Because the Pharisees were worried about John. When the Lord, uh, when the Lord, um, although in fact, it was not Jesus who baptized, but his disciples. So it wasn't Jesus, it was his disciples. When the Lord learned of this, he left Judea and went uh, back once more to Galilee. Now he had to go through Samaria. Take note of that. He had to go through this place called Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph, going back thousands of years here. Uh, Jacob had given to his son Joseph, Jacob's well was there. Now this well had been feeding people for a long time. There had been people finding nourishment here for a while, y'all. Thousands of years. And, um, and Jacob's well was there. And Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. Oh, man. You know what I always think sometimes when I'm up here? <laughs> Y'all get to just sit here and chill. <laughs> while I'm standing up and going, hey. <laughs> so I'm going to sit down here with y'all for just a minute while we read through this. And he goes on. He sat down at the well. Jesus did. He wasn't in a hurry. And he goes on to say, it was about the sixth hour. For those of us that know time and, 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 and Bible time, it was about noon, 12 o'clock, which is going to be here in about nine minutes. So you got to pray for the pastor. <laughs> got nine minutes to teach y'all about reach, teach, <laughs> and to pray. <laughs> he's reaching. Jesus is reaching. He's, he, he's demonstrating. So first of all, he didn't have to go to Samaria. He chose to go through Samaria. When it says he had to, he had to for one reason, because there was a woman there that needed him. He had to go for one reason, and this woman was that reason. When the Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? Now, anybody that knows any type of uh, historical background with Israel, that Samaria and Jews, we don't like each other. <laughs> like, you don't talk to me. It's like the neighbors I was telling you about a minute ago. I don't talk to you and you don't talk to me. Matter of fact, I'm gonna put this big six foot fence between us and it's called a privacy fence. And that means don't invade my space. Stay out from this side of the fence. 
Jesus shows up and he asks the woman and she said, just want a drink. And look what she said. His disciples had already gone into town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan. Look at her. She knows her stuff. A Samaritan woman, how can you ask me for a drink? Now I've got it. I've got to give you a little inference here. So if you just read through scripture sometimes, and the woman asked for it, and he said, hey, I'm a Jew, I'm a Samaritan woman, you're a Jew. Uh, how could you ask for that? She's like, I, you are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan. How could you ask me for that? Like, that doesn't happen. And he goes on, for Jews did not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God who is, who is that has asked you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water, not just something to drink, but something nourishing, not just for your physical. And he said, sir, she said, sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Jesus got her curious. He got her thirsty. Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself? As did also his sons and his flocks and herds. And Jesus answered her, everyone who drinks from this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks from the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. How do you know? First of all, if a woman came to that well at 12 o'clock, do you know why she came at 12 o'clock? Like if you've ever been out of this country, so most of us don't understand because if our well, we, we actually have pumps through our, our house. And so we have access, instant access to water. But if you go to other countries, like I've been to India a few times, a couple times, and you'll see a woman carrying this giant pot of water on her head. She's going to get water for the family, y'all. She's carrying this thing and you go, I always wonder like, Where's her husband? It's like, oh, it's a male-dominated society. Woman, you go get the water. We're going to take care and go get this stuff. But, but she's carrying this, and, and they do it early in the morning. You don't go to get water at 12 o'clock. Like, could you imagine right now, when you leave out of here, like, you're going to be instantly greeted by what we call the South Georgia smudge. Yes. <laughs> like, you can walk outside, and it's going to be like, whoo. It's sweltering. I don't do anything but walk to my car and I'm sweating already. You know what I'm saying? Like right now in this room. So we've got brand new air conditioners in here and it can hardly cool it off because it's about a hundred and something degrees out there. And so when he does this and we think about her being out there at noon and Jesus is saying, hey, I got some water that you don't know of. And she's saying, give me that water because I'm tired of coming to this well. Matter of fact, she says that to him. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so I won't have to get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. And he told her, go call your husband. And come back. And this is where the story goes. Da, 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 da. Ooh. Go get you. Go get your husband. Go get him. Just go get him. And what this happens, this is where the messy comes in. This is where she says to him, I have no husband. 
she replied. And look what Jesus said to her. You are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you've had five husbands. What? What? Did he just break that out on her? You didn't have one. You've had five husbands. But check this out when he says that. You've had five husbands and that's not enough. And the man you're living with now, this one, is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Can you imagine Jesus mentions this to her, but he doesn't do it to call her out. He does it to call her up. And he does it in such a way that he's not embarrassing, like, look at you, who you think you are. Girl, you ain't have one. You don't have five of them. You don't have five husbands. Look at you, you huzzy. That's some of the words we would use. That's some of the things we would think. If somebody came and said, I've had five husbands, you'd be like, oh, Lord Jesus, help us. Let me help her. Jesus didn't run from her. He ran to her. He purposely went and sat down to have a conversation. He had to go to Samaria because he had a woman that was so engrafted ingrained in her life that, that she didn't understand true life. And he goes on to say, um, so Jesus declared, believe me, woman, a time is coming. Excuse me, let me verse 19. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. <laughs> oh, you just broke that out. Our fathers worshiped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we worship is in Jerusalem. And then he goes on and he gives her a history lesson. But it comes back to this. Where the woman said, I know in verse 25, I know that Messiah, the called Christ, is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. And look what Jesus tells her. Jesus says, I who speak to you am he. He had a message he wanted to deliver this woman because this woman was so mixed up and messed up in a relationship, she needed to have hope for the future. And as a result of that, Jesus was there to help her experience life through him. And as a result of that, when we see the next and the second part, so first we've got to reach, Jesus demonstrated what it was like to reach beyond our driveway, to reach beyond our comfort zone. And like Elder Henry was saying, the problem is we get too comfortable. I don't want to talk to people that are messy. I don't want to talk to people that have problems because then I've got to get involved in part of the problem. I've got to help solve it. And you know what it does when you start doing that? It takes time. And it takes energy. And sometimes it even takes money. And let's be honest. Don't mess with my time. That's my time. Don't mess with my energy. I want to apply my energy and efforts on things I want, not what anybody else wants. And my money, <laughs> easy. I've been preparing. I want to buy some stuff. I got some more stuff I got to get. And we've got to be careful. And so that was the first part. Jesus reached beyond his own comfort zone. And then the second part, he's called us to teach and to preach. And the second part, we see this woman, this, this woman that just connected with Jesus. And what happens in, uh, in verse 28, 
It goes on to say, then leaving her water jar, all of a sudden she ain't thirsty anymore. Hey, I ain't got to get this. Leaving her water. The woman went back to the town and said to the people, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Christ? They came out of the town and made their way toward him. Now listen, I know in this room right now, when we start talking and I say, hey, I want you to share your faith with other people. There's this fear that comes, I don't talk so well. And I don't know the whole Bible. And I don't know everything. And they're gonna ask me questions I don't know. This woman knew nothing. She was a Samaritan. She just knew she had an encounter with Jesus and she started sharing her encounter with Jesus. Come see a man who told me everything about my life. That's what she did. Could this, and they all, because of her testimony, they all came. And I want to skip down to verse 39. In verse 39, it says, many of the Samaritans from the town believed in him because of, because of how much scripture knowledge she had, because of how she could dissect scripture, how she, because of one thing, because of her testimony. Because of her testimony, he told me everything I ever did, the good, the bad, the ugly, told me everything I'd ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two days, and because of his words, many more became believers, and I love what verse 42 says. They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves and we know that this man really is the savior of the world. And I want us to think of one thing when we talk about teaching, every one of you have a testimony. What we got to share this morning, Alex got to share one, Ava got to share one. I've known that girl since she was born. I could have got up and shared a testimony about how Donnie and Susan met right here. Like they were in my youth group, like they did the drama team, like what? Like we had so many incredible memories, like right here, I watched this family grow up right here. I was a part when they were there. I was there when they pulled the plug and said, hey, this is gonna be thing. And I'm there with the family and they're like, hey, this best friend, this young man who was messed up and messy like all of us. Anybody knows Donnie, he was messy. <laughs> but I loved him. And we walked that and we got to be a part of that. And I got to, to be there and, and, and walk that out. The one thing that we have is we all have a testimony. And our testimony, I want you to think about this. Your testimony, my testimony can lead others to trust in Christ. You don't have to know all the Bible. You just need to be ready to share, okay? I want you to be willing to share what Jesus has done for you. That's all she ever did. And because of that, they came to Christ and they said, we believe not because of what you said. That's what it started as. But now we believe for ourselves because we connected. I want to challenge us that don't be afraid to share your testimony. I've got my neighbors, man, every neighbor I've ever been to. Like when I started in a mobile home off Highway 17 in Thornhill Mobile Home Park. And then I moved right over here, not even a mile away, to number 11, MacArthur Terrace. And then I moved to, to 106 Deerfield Station. And then I moved to 141 Indian, 42 Indian Mound Way in Bell Point. And then I moved to where I am now, out on Highway 82. Everywhere I've ever been, every neighbor around me, they know my name. 
Like when I was in a trailer park, y'all, that was some of the most incredible witnessing. Like I had like six or seven people within steps of my yard. I'm like, whoa, come on, y'all, what y'all doing? <laughs> like every one of them. It was so funny. Our first one, so this, this lady, this single mom who had some issues, she was messy. <laughs> she had a little boy, four years old, named Corbin. Mark was just born. Like he, was, he wasn't even one. Like we had him right there. <laughs> She used to ask my wife, she'd knock on the door, can Mr. Mark come out and play? <laughs> my buddy, Corbin, man. <laughs> like, sure I can. I was, we connect. I, I'm telling you, when we look at, we break walls, we break barriers, we share testimonies, we, we do this. And then the final thing is we pray. Jesus said we have to pray for those who aren't us. Like, like First Corinthians said, or Second Corinthians says, their minds are blinded. Their, their, their minds are blinded from the from this world. It's it, the, the the God of this world. They, they they get so engrafted in what they're seeing with their own physical eyes, just like you and me. Remember what your life was like before Christ. <laughs> Ooh, <laughs> if we started playing it on the screen, hopefully you share that because I'm not glorying in what I've done. I'm glorying in what He's done. And I give people that hope and that encouragement. If he'll do it for me, he'll do it for you. That's what I want us to think about as we move into this. The biggest one I want to say this is one of the biggest things that you can share with people is they're forgiven. Forgiveness of sin. That's one of the main things Jesus, he, the main thing, he came to destroy the power of sin in our life. Because you know what? Every one of us we're under the power of sin. Sin had wreaked havoc. That's the things we've done and the things that have been done to us. Sin, missing the mark, this whole thing. And Jesus wanted them to go say, hey, God's not holding your sins against you. He's created a way for you and me to connect with him, not on the basis of guilt, fear, and shame, but the basis of love and forgiveness and connection. That's what he did. So I'm not eating. It doesn't eat me away. Jesus came to destroy it and take it away. And so I want us, as we think about this thing of praying for, for, for lost and praying for people that aren't us, there's two things I want you to pray for. I want you to pray for laborers and I want you to pray for harvest. Laborers and harvest. What Henry said in there early on where he said that. He, he already shared that scripture in John 4. Where he says, 35, do not say four months or more. And then the harvest. I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They're white. They're ripe for harvest. And you know what he's, you know why he said that? Because he was looking at this lady that he had just ministered life to. And here she comes. Bringing the town to him. He sees them coming and he says, hey guys, look. They were trying to get him to eat something. He said, man, my, 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 will, my, my food is to do the will of my father who sent me. He said, look guys, look right there. You see them coming? The fields are ripe. They're ripe for harvest. People want to know God. They really do. They don't want a theological discussion. They just want to know, am I loved? Am I forgiven? Am I okay? Am I gonna be Okay. Remember what your life was like before Christ? Mixed up, messed up, not sure what the next day brings. 
the fear, the anxiety, the emotions. Or for some of you, like, woo, it's all good. You didn't even know to be afraid. <laughs> Jesus said, I want you. He wants me. He wants us to pray. Matter of fact, and I'll close with this. And Thank you, Lord. In Matthew 9, 35 through 38, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, the good news and healing every disease and sickness. And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. The next time you see somebody that's mixed up and messed up and, and it's not you in the mirror you're looking at, <laughs> just know he's come to do that. He saw them and what happened? He had compassion. He had compassion when he saw them. They were like sheep. And then he said to his disciples, he looked, and I'm saying this to us this morning. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the harvest field. I'm asking you, as Pastor Mark Linton, called by God to help us reach our destiny in him. Jesus, in Luke 19, 10, he said, the son of man came to seek and save the lost. Now, I know I can't personally save anybody. You on your best day, you're not gonna save anybody, but I can pave the way and I can give people an opportunity just by sharing my testimony, just by sharing the good news of what Jesus has done for me and what Jesus has done for you. Would you bow your heads with me? Thank you, Lord God. Thank you for blessing each one of these. Father, we look to you. You're the author, you're the perfecter of our faith. And Lord, I thank you right now that Lord, you desire for us to be co-laborers with you. God, we can't do what you can and we can't do your part and you can't do our part. You said that if we go, if we teach, you'll draw and you'll change. And so this morning as we sit here, comfortable in this auditorium or those online watching comfortable and wherever they're at Lord would you move on our hearts that when we see our neighbors when we see our co-workers the ones that really get on our nerves the ones that really 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 bounce up and down on them that Lord we would see they're like sheep without a shepherd we would see that they haven't tasted of the living water. They don't know what that's like to be forgiven. They don't know what that's like to be loved just as they are. Father, help us be that demonstration of what that looks like. Thank you, Father.